and trains, and we're prepared for it with new technique and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. We're getting ready to have a live spectrum. What we were trying to say, we got to walk home. Walk home. Walk home. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. To reach Devin Wade with a question or comment, follow him on Twitter at Wadesword. Be a part of the group on Facebook by joining the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group or liking the page. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast, episode number 22. We have 21 in the books, and uh, we're headed towards 100 eventually. We'll start to crank more of these out, especially as the NFL season and college football gets underway of just a little bit over a month and a half from now. But we're going to talk a little bit of uh, soccer this episode also going to talk some nba as the nba finals are in the books get your uh we want to get your opinions on that and i'll tell you how to do that in just a second and we'll talk a little bit of football it always seemed to talk a little bit of football as uh we have one of my frequent guests and one of my best friends in the world haywood jeffries in the building so we'll talk about that we'll talk about talk to nana asare who is a professor at Texas Southern University, but he's also involved with the Ghana national soccer team. We'll talk some soccer in the second half of the program, and we'll do some balling of falling as well. With that, I want to remind you guys, I don't know how you're listening, but we certainly encourage you to listen via SoundCloud, iTunes, or TuneIn. Just look for Sports Talk with Devin Wade. Subscribe, give us some comments, some feedback, so we know what you like, what you don't like, what you're into, so we can give you more of what you like and what region of the country because we have listeners literally from coast to coast and we want to uh, cater our show to uh, entertain all of you guys. I want to remind you, you can tweet me at Wade's Word, W-A-D-E-S-W-O-R-D. And, of course, you can find me on Facebook, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group. You can join both or like both and get involved that way. I certainly love to hear from you guys as well as all my listeners who listen to me Saturday mornings here in the city of Houston. With that, uh, I want to bring in Haywood Jeffries. How are you? Awesome. Well, you know what, and and we've talked quite a bit on and off the air, and I, you know, I don't know exactly all the things we've covered uh, on the podcast, either on the air, but I know you're a big basketball guy. The NBA Finals are in the books, and I do want to get into that a little bit. But just your your first thoughts on how the NBA season, the NBA Finals, played out. I thought it was one of the great finals. Uh, I thought Cleveland Golden State uh, they played big time basketball, uh, and Golden State had to do what they had to do. Well, I want to get into that in the ball and the falling segment. Also, just announced here uh, in the last couple of hours here, Conor McGregor, Floyd Mayweather finally fighting. What are your thoughts on that? And, and I'd want to give you an either-or scenario after you answer that. Are you excited about Floyd coming out of retirement to fight uh, the MMA, well, I guess the superstar, Conor McGregor? Look what our world has come to. <laughs> 50-year-old man coming out of retirement. <laughs> so boxing must have some problems. So, Devin, you know that me and you are big boxing fans. Right. We always uh, got together on Saturdays to watch the uh, big events. You know, it's turned into theater and uh, a circus now. And, you know, people, it's, it's all came about popularity now. If that's what they got to do to uh, influence the fans, to get everybody to, uh, to join this bonanza, uh, let's do it. I'm all for it. So, I mean, I mean, as a boxing fan, and I know that you are really a boxing fan, as a boxing fan, do you really want to see this, honestly? No, because uh, it's going to be one, two, three, and out. We already know what the outcome's going to be. But 
again, this is all about money. This world has but turned it, into it, money. It, it won't be about money if like people ignore it. And that because look, I'm, I'm, I'll give you either or. So right. would you rather see if you had? I guess, I don't know, let's say $85. I don't know what the fight is going to cost on pay-per-view. Say right. you had $85. Just your last $85 to spend on the fight. Would you watch Canelo, Triple G, or Mayweather, McGregor? Which one would you opt for? If you could only buy one, if you could only watch one live, which one would it be? You didn't give me a third one. I would probably prepare. You wouldn't. I, I know I, you wouldn't go Kovalev World War II. No, I would rather go party. What's wrong with you? <laughs> but no, uh... Devin, I will. I like to see it. I just, so you rather see Mayweather over over Triple G and, and Canelo? Me being a boxing fan, you know, I rather see uh, Carmelo. But I'm just, I'm just a fan of just what's going on now. This is, it's all about entertainment. It's like fantasy. It's so it's like not pure boxing. It's about, it's just big shows. It's, it's, it's all about a show now. You can, if you had to just put one word to sum it up, it's entertainment. It's, it's showbiz. I do not want to see. Mayweather and McGregor. I have no interest in that at all. What I do want to see, I want to see all the press conferences and promotions leading up to it. You can take me from now until the Friday before the fight, and I'll watch all of it. Weigh in and all of that. I'm interested in every bit of that. Saturday, I'll go, you know, I guess it's at night, so I won't be cutting my grass. Actually, I, I don't want to be cutting my grass anyway, <laughs> not in Houston heat. But I'm saying I'll find something to do. I won't be doing that. And I won't even go out of my way to watch it for free. Now, I said, you know, I protested the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight, and I said I wouldn't watch. Right. I wouldn't pay for it. I would watch it, but I wouldn't pay for it because the fight should have happened five years ago. Right. But this one, I won't even watch. And it, I'm serious. I don't even want to watch. I have no interest in seeing this fight. It's just Floyd Mayweather bamboozling the public again. And, again, let me say this about Floyd, and I've been critical of Floyd quite a bit. I think he is the best marketer in the history of professional sport. You name it. He's better than – I can't think of anybody, even Ali, because Ali didn't attempt to monetize everything about his career. But I cannot think of one athlete in the history of sports that did a better job of making money for himself. Not one. I mean, I guess you, Darrell Reeves is a distant, right. distant second. You have, you have, you have George Foreman. Wow, that was a good well. one too. He's George in the top Foreman's five. awesome, so – uh, but the second half, the second half of his career, he came back. And, again, I think, in a way, yeah, he became a good pitch man. Right. But he also lucked up into that grill deal, But <laughs> but I mean, which made him a gazillion dollars. How but, did he luck up? Well, I mean, because the grill, he didn't make the, the damn grill. The grill was made. He, well, the company just came to him and asked him to Devin, be the face Devin, of Devin, it. Devin, you're a hater, man. No, I love Big George. I know, but you hating. That's that's the name of the game. It's all and about I, trying I, to sell yourself. Right. But, and you've but, been the but product can, of whatever you're selling. Floyd can sell himself, but he ain't going to sell himself to me. Okay, let, <laughs> let's, let's go Ali and Holmes. Should he ever fought Larry Holmes? Well, yeah, he was at the end of his career. But now. I'm just asking. But, no, he shouldn't have. He but, shouldn't have fought Trevor Burbick. After the second Spinks fight, he never should have fought again. And really, a lot of people say after Thriller Manila, he never should have fought because he was so beat up and battered and, and started to show signs as early uh, as that fight, after that fight. He was never the same after that fight. So, no, he shouldn't have, but he also felt obligated. They said he right. was supporting so many people in his group and his entourage that he almost felt compelled to to do that. And I don't think that he understood the pathway that he could have taken financially, and I don't know that he wanted to do that. I don't know that he wanted to ever be – 
the ultimate pitch man. You remember he did do what decon, yeah. decon uh, pest control. <laughs> like I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if we're you gonna don't, knock out roaches. If, 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 we're gonna <laughs> knock out rats. <laughs> I like that. People don't even remember well, that. Hey, I need. I wish, it's a lot of rats and roaches in Houston. Right. So, hey, but he'll maybe be a, we, a great pitch man today. Well, and, and like you know, he lived in Houston for a while too. So, but no, I don't think that he ever became what he could have been as a pitch man. Right, but then, but then again, his 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 legend was so much bigger than than just that. But Floyd is the best by far. But I think this is a product. I mean, think about what what he's done here. Now, so now you pit. I mean, there's so several several layers to what this is. So you have MMA versus boxing. Right. You have old versus young. Yeah. You have black versus white. You have America versus Europe. Yeah. It's so many layers to get people involved to to really you know root for or against Floyd in this situation. Uh, I, you know, I think Dana White, once he signed off on it, he, he does a great job promoting to his base, and he'll convince some people that that, that kind of have a choice. But I'm taking the people at HBO and Showtime and Al Heyman, uh, whoever is showing this fight, I can tell you this. They do such a wonderful job week in and week out of making you, drawing you in but you know the Mayweather McGregor twenty four seven. These things are so compelling and so creative that they pull people in to watch the fight that wouldn't normally watch the fight. Because again, we've said this all along. My brother was the first one that I remember talking about this many many years ago. Floyd is not that entertaining of a fighter. How many fights have you saw of Floyd where you like, whoa, that was a un- unforgettable fight? To me, his signature fight is probably the knockout of Ricky Hatton. Well, I mean, I didn't think Ricky Hatton was all that. You're talking but about all, is you, entertain, from an entertainment. Well, you're talking about the, the the European fighters, and then you talk about the Mexican fighters mm-hmm. because you think of boxing is America against Mexico, you know, and, and it's a good blend. That's always been the real the make of cards, you know. And but now, you know, we're kind of getting more diverse for us the the boxing part, but it's never really been a Sugar Ray Leonard either. If you go back to that, we're talking about pitch guys. Sugar Ray, besides Ali, really were, were the two guys that, that was, held was, was, was the, the mega guys. And, and, and he boxing. did a good job. Now, now, Sugar Ray did a good job back then of crafting his image and, and, and was a, a pitch man. But, but, I mean, but let's, let me, the, let's go back okay. to this, though. I, I mean, when you think about it, we watched the Pacquiao fight together, and now it was a very, very boring fight. Right, and, and I know people say, "Oh, well, he was a craftsman," and "Oh, you you got to understand the nuances." Look, I would not spend eighty five dollars to watch Pernell Whitaker fight. To me, Floyd is more Pernell Whitaker than he is Sugar Ray Leonard. Sugar Ray Leonard, Hearns, Duran, uh, Hagler, those are the most entertaining fighters in around that weight class that that I've ever seen. Floyd is not one of those guys. He's not an entertaining fighter. He's just not. So you're trying to say Ike Forte, uh, Ike Forte, Oscar, 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 all those guys will go. go okay, so you just saying they average fighters, but no, I'm saying for, the, the entertainment value for you to pay the dollar, you want those kind of fighters. You mean, wanted those uh, matchups, yeah. okay? A Sugar Ray type of guy, uh, a Hearns, Sugar Ray Robinson, and those type of fighters. Right. So you want you want the bruisers, you know, well, the, I, I the want, showmanship, yeah, yeah. but also you know to mix it up too, right? You uh, yeah, want them, to, yeah, because like I said, when you go back to defensive fighters. You had several of them. Uh, you you had uh, you know, you, like I said, Pernell Whitaker was one of them. 
Uh, there were a couple guys in that weight class. Uh, uh, Mike McCallum, to a lesser extent, he was a big-time body puncher. Okay. Milt McCrory and all those guys. Those guys were like defensive guys. And, but those are not the kind that you, you you know, have draw crowds that right. have you waiting for them to fight. And Floyd has been able to do that by really essentially telling you how rich, how famous, and how fabulous his life is. And people continue to buy into that. Uh, I don't. And I don't, you know. I know De La Hoya, he's doing Golden Boy promotions. He says he hopes people don't buy the fight. Which, well, I mean. Well, come on, Devin. Uh, Golden Boy wants. I don't he, know. He would have took he, that check. He, he, he would have took the check. Uh, what what he's mad at, this is what boxing, he wanted boxing to be, where everybody get a payday. Because not just the uh, the mega stars, but you have to fight the mega stars for you to get the money. Not to have nothing against McGregor, against uh, Mayweather, but. It's all about money and entertainment, and I Do have to look at it like that. you think this is a good fight for boxing? Because I don't. No, it's, this is not about boxing. This is just about an event. It's an event. That's what okay, we're talking about. Yeah, no, I... no, no. This is not boxing. This is people get out of their mind. If you want to spend your $100, uh, you're just going to the restaurant. Uh, hey, I'm just say I'm going to a nice establishment, and I'm gonna pay a big. I'm gonna pay a good dollar for it. So, and this is what this is all about. It's entertainment. Uh, with that, I want to uh, also touch on a couple other things. Phil Mickelson drops out of the U.S. Open to go to his his daughter's graduation. Uh, any thoughts on that? I mean, you as a father. I mean, I think this is my thought on that, and I get your take on it. I think it's okay for Phil at this stage in his career. Uh, I think the course they're playing on this U.S. Open is very, very long. It's not really suited to his game. And I think, you know, he's he's never won the U.S. Open. But, again, at this point in his career, I think it's okay for him to, to kind of skip this one for his, his kid's graduation. Right. Well, he's established himself in history of, of uh, the PGA. Right. You know, he's a great golfer. He's a Hall of Famer. And they're going to remember Phil for just been – been a great uh, golfer regardless of what he does at this time. He's going into his latter years of, uh, you know, right now, you know, a few more years, you know, Phil going to be on the uh, on the senior on the side. Sen- on the senior side. And like so. on a point, he'll be making money forever. So. It, of course. With that, want to go into a segment we call Ballin' or Fallin'. And what we do is we come up with three different athletes or entities, and uh, we'll decide amongst ourselves, and you can too, if they're balling or if they're falling. Now, I said we'll get more into the NBA final. So I want to, uh, first and foremost, I want to ask you about the NBA. Is the NBA balling or falling after this particular season? Uh, do you think that they, they're, they're trending up, or or was this a not-so-good season for the NBA? They balling, baby. Hey, I am so excited to see so many great players on on the court at one time. They had the best players on the court at the end of the year playing for the championship. The fans should be elated about what they saw there on the floor. I mean, it was incredible, man. I uh, I couldn't keep my, my eyes off the television just to watch the superstars and the way they played and the way they made shots the way they defended and the way they just 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 it was just awesome. I, I, well, and 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 I'll go the other way and I'll say the NBA is falling. I keep on falling. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> I think the NBA season, what kept the NBA season intriguing at all was uh, you look at Re- Russell, uh, Russell Westbrook's triple doubles and, and what he was doing in that way. And I thought Harden, what Harden was doing with the Rockets was phenomenal league wide. To a lesser extent, you could talk about some of the things Boston was able to do. But I think that this was an absolutely horrible season for the NBA. And I think it was the worst postseason 
in in the history. I can't think of a worse postseason. And I'll go back to this. We knew in what September or October, what or maybe even August or July, whenever Durant signed with Golden State. We knew from that point on that Golden State would, would be the, the NBA champs. I, I mean, it was never in doubt for me. And we also knew, I mean, and I think these things, and I've documented these things. I said them over the air here in Houston. I said them on podcasts going back as far as November, that it was a foregone conclusion. One of my first segments, I talked about a reason why other people in other cities, have, you, why you have a reason to watch the NBA, and that's to watch a couple of players in a couple of different cities. But by and large, you knew nobody was going to contend. Think about this. Cleveland was the number two seed. Not at not at any time during the NBA playoffs did anybody think that Cleveland wasn't going to the NBA finals representing the Eastern Conference. Conversely, nobody gave the I said they were three teams who had a legitimate shot who couldn't even talk about going to the NBA finals. San Antonio was a distant second, Golden State, and you knew Cleveland was was penciled in in the East. And so, and then of course, you get to the postseason and you wait for the big confrontation between San Antonio and Golden State, which may have presented a hurdle for them. And in the first game, of course, San Antonio has a huge lead. Kawhi Leonard goes out. Parker was already out. Well, it didn't make no difference who San Antonio had out, Devin. They weren't going to be Golden State regardless of who they had. Well, I mean, I think it would have been a much more competitive series. But again, essentially, Golden State goes through the entire postseason losing just one game. And, and I don't think that that's good for the NBA at all. And I think going into next year, Boston can probably make a couple of moves, and well, let's see what happens with Paul George. But again, you're looking in the West. Who can who can anybody else in the West add to make to to make you think they have a chance against Golden State next year? Let me ask you a question, Devin. Are you are you being a hater? Because I mean, that's what people you, say all the time. If you go back, the Lakers went 15 and one. I didn't hear nobody saying how. Were you talking about the Kobe Lakers? Yeah, yeah the, the, okay. they went 15. Those were not great seasons either uh, for the for the league. Well, the regular season doesn't mean nothing in basketball no right. more. Right, and that's a shame. That's not good for the league. Well, it is good for the league. Because you want to sell tickets. Devin, they are selling tickets. Guys is making thirty million dollars. Look, Steph Curry's getting ready to make forty one million dollars. For I mean, five years. I just think that for the, the long-term so health of the league. You tell me how this league's not growing. It's all about economics. Let's just talk about I, it. I would like to see – I want I want to see not, not just in dollars and cents. I want to see what actual attendance is. And obviously you won't see those numbers. Right. I want to see what actual buys, how many people are buying the league pass. Like okay, Can what I, is the, what what makes it interesting to you? Competition to me makes it interesting. Did you look at Did you look at the NBA finals? I did look at the did NBA finals. Did you see one seat that? Was I mean, no, no, you know uh, the no, finals. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. I don't care about what that. What about the playoffs? You didn't see one empty seat when Golden State plays or when Cleveland plays. They are sold out. They they tell you that people trying to get season passes. Okay, but, and, but and those, they, and they on the waiting cities, list. Yeah, in those cities. But I mean, if you and think what city? San Antonio, do I need to go? Boston, do I need to go? Okay, L.A., do I need to go? Clippers, do I need to uh, go? The Clippers, first of all, the, uh, the, uh, the popularity across the board. Yeah, okay, they're selling tickets, but you're talking about sixteen, nineteen thousand seat arenas. That's fine. But we we're talking about mass. Like when that is the talk of the town. The NBA Finals, yes, were the talk. Everybody wanted to talk about the finals, and pretty soon they were. Nobody want to talk about them anymore because it was uh, okay. for, It was about well, man, are they going to sweep? Are they going to sweep? That was the only conversation. Think about uh, you're you're old enough to remember when the Lakers and the Celtics played 
And I know we're going to wave back. Think about how captivating that was for the country and what it meant for the – and then there was other there were other teams that had a shot. Right now, it's a two-league team. It, it, it really is. Dev, I'm not trying to be funny or nothing. I heard if one, you're in Minnesota, why do you care about uh, the what, NBA what, what, season? But don't you like the youth of what Minnesota has? I mean, I, I, I like, do, you yeah. like you like the way they're trying to. But do you to, think? To, but okay, okay. Through, okay uh, what about here going in to the draft? And Houston, Houston never gonna win. Okay, but but if if you're a Rocket fan, how do you go out and spend hard-earned money for that product? Well, Houston's not gonna win in in. Until they kind of find a formula where everybody can play as a team, but that's why okay. Cleveland and Golden State and San Antonio—that's why they're ahead of everybody. They play as a team. Let me ask you this: This is this is I want. I'm going to ask you about about three or four teams, and you tell me what player that they can add to give them a chance to go to the NBA Finals. Okay, the Rockets. What what one or two players they can reasonably get? To give them a chance to go to the NBA Finals in the West. If I was the Rockets. One play. One one play. You know, you got to go for the guy from New York. I know you you got something to say about him, but you know what I'm Carmelo? talking about. You have to, if, if I'm them, they got to go to Carmelo. They have so, to slow it down. Some. Okay, so 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 you you think the Rockets add Carmelo. Are you going to say now, whoa, now the Rockets got a chance in the West? No, I said they have a chance to compete and and go farther. I'm, you know, I don't know if I'm that, can get, about, they, that can get over the hump to maybe get Golden State, but they can get into that second tier versus okay. the third, fourth, Well, I'm just fifth. talking about the top tier. Oh, the top tier? Yeah, well, they what, need a couple no, of players. Okay, so so we've established Houston cannot add anybody to beat Golden State. No. Can the Clippers add any one player to beat Golden State? No. Can San Antonio add any one player? Yes, San Antonio can. Who? Who would you say? And, and they probably are the closest. Who would you say? Carmelo. I, well, what about Chris Paul? Well, they ain't got, What look, about uh, Paul well, George? Well, well, you know why I say it, it, it can't be Chris Paul? First of all, I think their front court is too – one of them is too old and one of them – Too soft. <laughs> I don't like to use that word. I, I'm not you – know, You're I talking about Aldridge? Okay, I'll let you say that. Yeah, Aldridge but, say, and Gasol but, a little bit too old. And, yeah. and I just think – that's why I say go with Carmelo. I know they can't get both of them, but Carmelo – will make a difference and try to get as much as you can out of Tony Parker for the last year. We're talking about for one year, so you got Tony you got one more year left on his contract. So I think San Antonio could really make it interesting. That gives them really three and a half stars versus their four stars. So we we pretty much established my the the point of that whole exercise was to 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 say that if you are interested in your team winning at all I can't think of anybody in the Western Conference that can add any one player. You would almost be dependent on a major injury, a season-ending injury in Golden State. And he, and that kind of tarnishes the league. So that that's where I'm coming from when I say the right. it's a foregone conclusion that likely I know that Cleveland is is cash strapped and salary cap strapped. The only intrigue I think there is I think let's see what happens with Boston. And I think Boston may be a team that may be able to catch up a little bit with and maybe even surpass them. Let's see what happens in the draft and if they get at Gordon Hayward. And let's see what, what happens with them. But other than that, the East is, is another foregone conclusion. If they blew it up with Kevin Love, get rid of Kevin Love. And I see like what, what Boston do. I'm saying Boston can get both of them, George and Hayward, and go ahead. You got you to trade the little guy. The point guard, well, yeah, Isaiah Thomas. You gotta let Isaiah go, and uh, and you gotta bring in the uh, rookie, which I uh, expect them to do to the guy to Washington, the number one pick that probably is gonna go in the draft, or who who Boston would pick. So I think 
they have a chance to compete with uh, with, with Cleveland. Cleveland. Next year. And I think and that's ha- the intrigue. And that's, in the, the that's the only intrigue in the West right now. I know you know. We know how good Durant is. I mean, I was even talking to my boy Harold. We didn't know that KD was that good. Well, I mean, you, he is right now. He is great. Well, yeah, and, and, and people forget, and and that transitions perfectly into the to the next person in, in balling or falling. Kevin Durant. Now, it is as it pertains to him getting the championship the way he did, just in that sense, because no, there's no disputing what kind of basketball talent he is. But in the way he got his championship, in your opinion, is he balling or falling? Well, this one is balling. <laughs> and again, I say he's falling, man. Because and although, wait, 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 how because is he fall- again, I, Devin, have you ever seen any player like this ever? Man, he's phenomenal. Besides, besides, he's phenomenal. So why do you have to go to the best team in the NBA to get your championship? Well, let me ask you a question. How can you play with Westbrook? That dominates the basketball and, and runs around the court. Okay, like, so let me ask you this. How good do you think Westbrook is? I, I'm going to bring this back to football. Uh, and okay, I think okay. Westbrook is phenomenal, by the way. Okay, dude, would you rather have but, him? But, but, but if you, you look rather, back Would at, you rather have him or Curry? Uh, Steph Curry? Yeah, what, I mean, Westbrook I mean, Steph, or Steph Curry? Yeah, yeah Westbrook or Steph. You have problems right now. We see why you'll never win the no, NBA no, no, championship. No, 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 you won't last long. But no, no, because uh, well, if you want, I like Steph Curry. I'm a fan of Steph Curry, but he disappeared last year in the finals. What the heck? He okay, got uh, two out of the three. Uh, okay, he got two out. But about? he he had a. If anybody else would have had the kind of finals he had, they would have torn limb from limb. They would have ripped them Devin one side and down the other. No, 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 no. What a point guard supposed to do? He. Develops his game around his players. Tell okay, me, tell I wanna, me anybody on Westbrook team right but now. But let's talk tell about me somebody on Westbrook. Who, who, but that, that's player. a horrible team right now because again, you get a, well, rid of a Baca. Well, you got the Depot in there. They got four guys making twenty million dollars. No, somebody need to be doing something over there in Oklahoma. Well, I, and I agree with that when you talk about what they're getting for what they're paying over there. That's a different discussion. Well, don't, but, talk but, to but, me. but and let's talk about the the way. Uh, Durant faltered in a lot of fourth quarters late in the postseason too. When? This wasn't just Westbrook failing. Durant had his own personal <laughs> failures in the fourth quarter. If, if you go back and look at, it. but go but ahead. here's the deal. Let's 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 bring the football. Okay, let's bring the football then. Okay, you, of course it's infamous what happened in Houston with Buffalo. You, I mean, we talk about what happened to the Oilers mm-hmm. with Buffalo, right? Yeah. Buffalo. Who? Yeah, exactly. That's what you know. I, I by the way, I told I had met Jim uh, James Lofton. <laughs> In the hall, at the Hall of Fame, oh, oh, they, and okay. I told him, I said, uh, I, I said, uh, I said, hey, nice to meet you. You know, I said, Mr. Lofton, I was not a pleasure to meet you. And and I said, uh, I remember you played in Green Bay, and I remember you played in Lo- Oakland. I don't remember anything else. And I said, Buffalo, I'm from Houston. Obviously, I know he played, in, yeah. and I, I remember that. But uh, you know, I just sort of joke with him that I kind of blocked out everything from Buffalo, and we got a laugh out of that. I guess I <laughs> didn't tell the story, but say so you lose the game to Buffalo, right? Right. And and now all of a sudden you're saying, well, we can't beat Buffalo. What, what, did you go to your agent and say, you know what? Get me to Buffalo. I want to play alongside uh, Jim Kelly and, and Andre Reed. Did that ever cross your mind as a competitor, or 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 was your idea I want to beat them? That's the team I want to beat. Well, or, the, or Pittsburgh. No, no, name uh, name your team. Or the Cowboys. Course, Did you ever say, "Get me. I'm a free agent. I'm going to Dallas. I want to play with Alvin Harper and, and Michael Irvin." Well. No, I'm not gonna say that. I'm not gonna. Did you want to beat them or did you want to play yeah, with I them? I definitely wanted to beat them. Exactly, that's like, my point. But, but I'm making this point right here 
But if you have a player on your team that you can't calm down or you can't direct him and it's chaos, what do you do? Is it best for you to go to make – because guess what? Not to say Kobe and Shaq. You'll probably never see another combination like that again. But sooner or later, what did uh, what did Kobe want to do? Well, I mean, he he wanted to get. I well, mean, that's because they well, had personal dynamic. It, well, that was of, the same, really, kind of. It was except, similar. except Durant never wanted to be the alpha male the way Shaq, Shaq wanted to be the alpha male, or even Kobe, regardless. Yeah, and, 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 and but we ain't saying that. I mean, I'm not trying to compare these guys, but we got to have some comparison. But I'm a, I'm gonna say this much: Durant. I don't see none of Durant what we saw in Oklahoma. He was what awesome. We see, what he we was see phenomenal. And gonna say. I talked to he, I, me, me uh, and Harold watched the game together, uh, and we talked numerous times about man. I've never seen nothing like this. Who can we compare him to? And really, in the, in the many ways, he surpassed LeBron. In, in I mean, LeBron yeah. couldn't do nothing with him. No, well, nobody can. But again, a lot of the pressure was off of him well, when you can lean on on three potential Hall of Famers. But not only that, watch this: Westbrook is not that type of shooter. Well, we watched. I was watching the game, Devin. I never seen nobody act the way they act with Curry. They follow him. They leave a guy driving in to go to the three. As soon as he crossed the court, well, and they, I think they, that, that well, goes think to Teron lose some of the stuff he did. And, and I didn't I like what say, he well, did. Well, guess what? They did the right thing. You cannot let him. Well, get what hot. they tried to do, especially in the first couple of games, is they tried to guard the perimeter so hard they just open up these gaping holes in the lane I, I to drive. I, I so. just feel like. That's all in your mind. It's a mindset. You know, defense is a mindset. And I just thought they wasn't on the same page that it took them to catch up with the speed. And they didn't realize, really, how athletic Golden State was. I think they kind of took that well, for And Durant did a great job of when they did go out the perimeter, penetrating and driving to the hole and exploiting that. But the bottom line is this. If right. you went to Sterling, if you went to Jones, if you went to Worthing, Oh Madison, you didn't want to go play for Yates. You wanted to beat Yates. But hey, that, and that, that's taking I, it back to hey, I'm not the trying, I'm not trying to be funny. <laughs> that's all Yates and all these guys do now. They went out and recruited players. No, they didn't. They didn't uh, have to. Well, they, they did. <laughs> they took guys from Sterling. They took Lamar from did more recruiting than, than that. But now, nah, nah. you know, you Houston got y'all have so much talent. That's why I was always cheating from junior high school. I used to hear that. I'm from the East Coast. I'm from North Carolina. I come here, I've never seen nothing like this in my life that say, hey, they giving scholarships to guys that's in junior high. Now I just heard they're giving a guy a scholarship in the fifth in the grade. Fifth grade. Yeah. So don't tell me, and I already, you know how Houston is, they are, you know, just Texas period with athletes. Y'all are very dominant, not just one sport from I know all now the it's basketball so, is really dominant. Well, so let's go to the last one of the ball and the falling. Right. Now we can, I, I'll give you a choice. You want to do baseball or basketball? I'll give you a choice. Okay, let's let's go baseball since we are. Okay, the Houston Astros best record in baseball, but all of a sudden you got what three or four starters on, on the DL. Can they sustain this with with Keiko going to the to the DL? Couple other pitches on, on the starting rotation going down. Um, other guys in in on the team going out. Can they uh, can they sustain this or? or, or or was this just a, a remarkable start out the gate? Are they balling or are they falling? They falling. I keep on falling. <laughs> the question is, how far how far will they fall? I mean, I, I, I think they have enough to hold on. Were they 10, 12 games up in their division? Uh, they have enough to hold on. Uh, do you, uh, you you see the Yankees or Boston uh, coming back, reeling them in a little bit? 
Yeah. Well, like you say, it's, it's going to be a long season anyway. But I do – Astros got to be careful here. You know, anytime you start off hot, you're going to have those stretches where you're going to you're going to have some hiccups. And now they're going through some hiccups. Now teams are starting to find out who they are, you know, and what they can do and what they can't do. So they're going to find their strengths and their weaknesses. I, I, think, worry, I worry about Keiko long-term. The second time in, in, in a month that he's been on 10-day DL ever, with yeah. the nerve damage in his neck. I'm worried about uh, and him you too. Were, and then you had to start worrying about what kind of toll it'll take on the bullpen right. as you head it down the stretch. And obviously they're going to have to make some moves. They're going to have to do something. Uh, as far as people are talking about Verlander, they're talking about some other moves that they can make to get another arm. So, so well, I, 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 we agree I, that they're kind well, of falling. Pitching-wise, pitch, uh, pitching I think it's going to uh, start affecting me because I don't know you know, how long a lot of these guys are going to stay on the disabled list. And sometimes when they they come off, they go right back on again. So you got to yeah, be you very careful. To worry about that. And now you got to worry about you know the guy says your subs, you know, for subs, you're having some good substitutions when those guys fall down. So – I'm worried about them not resting their star players. They're going to have to take some rests sooner or later during the season, and I think they're playing too much. I think they got to they got to play their bench more. Right, uh, right. They don't don't get because you're in this groove, but still remember it's a long season, right. and then you know injuries do come about. They're trying to run out, out run up, run out there and hide away, hide from the competition. They want to get such a big lead, but yeah, it, 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 I think the injuries are a concern. Right. I, I think that although I think they have enough to get and go to the playoffs. Uh, you you worry if you worry to me it's all about Keiko and if, if you had because again if you don't have that ace and all the pressure falls down to the next man in the rotation he'll have to face the other team's ace in the playoffs and so on right. and so right. forth so uh, I I think that they're kind of falling right now yeah. as well uh, with that before we let you get out of here I know right. you you spent so many years in the NFL. And uh, what would you be doing? You're about a month out. You got a mini camp coming up. Uh, well, many, many NFL teams, mini camp this week. Uh, what would you be doing this time of year to get your body in shape? Uh, what, what would what would this time of the year look like for, for you guys back, in, you know, during your era when you were playing? My era? Look, <laughs> thinking about those three of days. <laughs> yeah. You know, back then people don't realize uh, we were going to be in shape regardless in camp. The difference is that – all the guys, when I played, they were going to be in shape. In today's game, you have a lot of them out of shape. It's because the way they, you know, they set you apart as far as your time, how many practices you can have, how much you can work out with the team. You know, so you, it's you a think, lot of guidelines. That's why you have so, so many injuries in, in the NFL today. No, nah, but the players' unions, are, the players' union for the, in the NFLPA, they argue for, the, for, for a, a lighter workload. You think it actually adds to more injuries? Oh, no doubt, because if you look at the guys, you give a guy, oh, well, workout for mandatory, uh, voluntary, mm. which one are you going to take? Mandatory? Mm. Am I getting paid? Voluntary? Right. I'm not getting paid. So they're not going to be around the facility. They're going to go off and um, work out somewhere else. It's nothing like working out with your teammates yeah. and being a part of it because, if you you know, we used to do it. We had probably 40 to 50 guys that was working out together in the off season because we was at the facility. I I'd be amazed that you all you see is fifteen or twenty guys at the facility. And it's not really nothing. nothing so scheduled. when did you start to turn it up as far as getting yourself in, in condition? What, what I mean it's now it's okay. June. When when did you really crank up to cause you know it's coming and you know that heat is coming. Oh, you're already in shape when it hits June. Now you're gonna take your time off and kinda just work, you know, a few days during the week working you know 
where you were working four to five days a week. Now you're going to do it, you know, two to three days, everything being light. And, you know, you're just going to stay light until it's time for training camp. So, you know, everybody got their own regiment the way they, they want to get their body get in their shape. body in shape. Well, uh, and finally, I will ask you about this. Uh, the Texans, because you played in Houston, right. Texans moving their training camp to West Virginia. Um, and, and and really, I, I'll say this: the 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 Oilers always stayed in Texas, yeah. and they stayed in that that god awful heat. Do you think that helped you, or, or would you have preferred to be? I, I know the coaches go back and forth; they want the most efficient work, so they want guys in perfect conditions so they can execute properly. But I, I've always thought that the heat gives you something that that it gives you that adversity you have to work through. What, what are your thoughts about the Texans moving their camp? To oh, I'm from old school. I'm just like you. Hey, stay in the heat. I, I told you this is the league has gotten babysit. They babysitting all their players now. And at the same time, then they get mad at the players. Oh, because he have a hamstring. He has a tweak in his knee. Oh, I have an ankle sprain. I have a shoulder sprain. Well, we, we didn't worry about things like that. Hey, we worked through them while we were still playing. Today, you sit out. You got an ankle sprain. If it's high, you already know you're out three or four weeks. Mm-hmm. Shoot. If we out three or four weeks, you know what's going to happen. Next man up. And you better be ready because he's ready to take your position. So, I wanted to get back like that. And and the Texans got to be uh, hungry. I mean, they just went in a division. We got to go out there and do something different. Maybe it has been in the heat. Maybe, you know, guys only work out for an hour and 30 minutes. But you go and take the extra hour and do something else or whatever it is. We don't have that when we had the tour day. But if I'm a team like the Texans, I get, I, I get tired of the Texans saying, oh, we on the rise. When are the Texans going to win the game they supposed to win, and you know everybody right now is just hungry trying to get into a, a championship game or the uh, or, you know or the Super Bowl. Well, like I said, and I think we agree on that. Uh, that he gives you something. Yes, it, uh, it creates a little bit more tension, more fights, more yes. more of all the things you need yeah. that will benefit you in, in November and October. Hey, man, want to thank you for stopping by, and I, as always, I, I love your input. Although we we frequently disagree, yes, I, I certainly appreciate that, and uh, we love having you. And you. Uh, hey, I owe you another one. How about I, that, McGregor and six. <laughs> oh, yeah. no, you, well, yeah. we might agree on one thing. Yeah, you yeah, better yeah. take Mayweather. Yeah, we'll take Mayweather. <laughs> hey, gonna take a time out on the other side. We're gonna talk some soccer. My first foray into football, not football, but football. Uh, with Nana Asare, we'll talk some uh, some Ghanaian soccer on the other side. You're tuned into the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast on iTunes. Up, Tune right? in. <laughs> I know. I know what you f*** is asking yourself. Is he gonna ever fall off? No. A lot of speculation on the monies I've made. Honeys I've slayed. How is he for real? Is that nigga really paid? Hustlers I've met or dealt with direct. Is it true he stayed in beef and slept with a tech? What's the position you hold? Can you really match a triple platinum artist buck by buck? But only a single going gold. Rockefeller should love bowl. And you're left out in the cold. Is it back to charge your mother f***ers 11 for a O? For the millionth time asking me. Questions like Wendy Williams harassing me. Then get upset when I catch feelings. Can I get a minute to breathe? And in that minute you leave. While I'm looking at my bro, ice. Welcome back. 
to episode 22 of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. And we're going to venture into uncharted waters for us, at least, for me, at least. We're going to talk a little bit of soccer, and we're going to talk about some Ghanaian soccer. To join me is Nana Asare. He's a professor at Texas Southern University uh, of Health and Kinesiology. But more importantly, he is part of a, a movement in the city of Houston to promote the Ghanaian Black Stars in uh, their national teams. How are you this afternoon? I'm well, Devin. Thank you so much for having me on your show today. We're going to cover all aspects of it. But first and foremost, big national game, a couple games nationally in the United States yes. for Ghana. Mm-hmm. As And now are these are, what are these international friendlies? Are these uh, World Cup qualified? What are these games? So these are international fr- friendlies, which is sanctioned by FIFA, the governing body, obviously, of uh, world soccer. And and so uh, it's not uh, high stakes for these two matches when we're talking about the Ghana versus Mexico and the Ghana versus um, United States men's national team, which is going to be held in Connecticut on uh, July 1st. Those are more international friendly. So, so the friendlies are just like practice games. No, not necessarily. The friendlies do mean something. What do they mean? Uh, So a friendly typically is uh, between two nations who are either in a competitive stages mode, gearing up for either World Cup qualification or even CONCACAF or African Cup of Nations uh, qualifications. But it's also very interesting because that's where the coach can invite several players a lot more than he would during a normal World Cup tournament and take a look at how he wants to uh, manage his team in terms of formation-wise um, he can introduce a little, a little bit more strategy, take a little bit more gamble. So it's not necessarily a practice, but it is a precursor to what you're going to see in a tournament. Does my strategy work against this formation? What will X, Y, and Z do if I do this? He can tweak and twink, twink, tinker a little bit here and there, a lot more than he could in a real match that you know is off of the marbles. Now I know that that the European leagues are well underway, uh, and I know the Champions League and uh, yeah. What, what, what's the okay? Name a few. I know there's the big time English league, mm-hmm. the English, EPL, which is the English Premier League. That's the Premier League, yeah. Premier League. Then there's La Liga, which is in Spain, and then uh, Germany has a big one. Uh, right? Yes, they call it Deutsche Fußballbund, which is basically the German football league. It it's also and one of the bigger ones. If it ain't MLS, I ain't into it. Nah. <laughs> no, but I know that Premier League, is, is that the best league, considered the best league? If you look at it historically, I would say so. Now, there's Ligue 1 out in France. There's the Eredivisie, which is out in Holland. The uh, Turkish League, which is also doing very well. Russian leagues. The two are the ones the in two, Spain and, and the, the Premier three, League. I'll give you the three biggest ones right now, in my opinion, that uh-huh. are heads up above everybody. MLS and who else? MLS is getting there. One would be the EPL, which is really the grandfather in terms of how leagues are supposed to be run, if you will look at their format. Then you have the La Liga, which is um, where Real Madrid and Barcelona, two of the world's biggest clubs, are at. And then you have probably the third one, I would say, is going to be um, the Italian League. But it is probably third. You have AC Milan, Inter Milan. You have Juventus, which was the challenger to this year's European Championship, the Eurofa Cup, which came up short. But they uh, were able to progress to the uh, finals. All right. So this is a couple of things I don't understand. Outside of the game Siri- itself. Serie A. That's what it's called. Serie A. That's the Italian league. Okay. And, and so that's a lot on the plate of, you know, we in America are really just sort of, we're the brutish Americans. that don't. If it doesn't happen here, we don't normally care. <laughs> we're the best ever at everything. And if it doesn't happen here, we generally don't care. But I, I think, I mean, obviously we know that the, the most popular sport in the world is soccer. Yeah. Now, when you have these international friendlies, 
are and they're in the midst of the big leagues competing overseas. All those guys are not going to be able to play in these friendlies, or, or are they? That's exactly right. Every team, soccer is a very interesting sport. So in, in football, you have a 53-man roster, yeah. 53 in, in, in American football, right? right, right. right? Yeah, in yeah. NFL, you know, even in college, you can have up to about 99 players, right? right. Over yeah. 100. So the point here is that when you have these international friendlies, you can call as many as you want, but when you get to travel, you've got to cut that down. And so it's usually between a 20 three and maybe a 30 man roster. You don't have to play them all, but you will probably call a lot more than you normally would come a world cup tournament because by then so, you should have your team. So in the world cup, how many guys can you have on your team? You should have 23 man roster in the world cup. That's okay. the max. Okay. With the big stars, not playing. Like, who's the biggest star for Ghana that won't be able to play in the in the international? We Premier. have some big uh, stars. One of them, uh, I'll give you three of them. Kojo Asamoa, which is uh, say it slowly. Kojo Asamoa. Okay, that's he is better. a midfielder, mm-hmm. uh, Kum left back. Uh, he can play several different positions. But what's key about him is that he plays in Serie A for Juventus, the one of the top two or three teams in Italy that we just mentioned. And um, he's been injured, so he's asked for a little bit of a leave from the international scene so he can focus on his club career, which is important because that's where he gets his money from. Right. You don't want to mess with a man's money. None so of the national teams pay money so or the, a little bit of money. They do pay m- money. And it's, but he's, been, he's making ginormous yes, money exactly in, right. in Italy. Yeah, so you have basically bonuses that are paid. And uh, it's interesting that you mentioned that because historically some of the African nations have had some issues with uh, paying bonuses on time, and it's uh, you know leaked out in the media and it causes a lot of dissent. What was the issue? It was an issue in the last World Cup with a team not getting paid. What's, what what yeah, team was that? So that was uh, unfortunately Ghana Black oh, Stars. Oh, that was oh okay. Yeah, that was Ghana Black Stars, and not just uh, Ghana, but also Cameroon had a similar issue. And again, I'm not. I'll be honest with you. I see a Call of Duty as a national team, as a point of where you are serving the nation. There are millions and millions of soccer players all over the world that would love to put on the jersey of their national team. So when you get that opportunity to play, you're already a professional, presumably. Why should you be paid to do your national service now? If and I'll about, give you one answer yeah. for the same reason why the the guys in basketball should be paid in the Olympics, the dream team version, the what. Because somebody's making a whole lot of money on these games. Now, obviously, it's FIFA. I mean, why should I work for free? Even though, yeah, I'm representing my country, when you probably have your national federation making money. Obviously, FIFA's making a ton of money. You have all of these sponsors paying billions of dollars to support these games. And I don't get anything but but a jersey. I didn't used to feel that way. But, you know, we're not as naive in the sports business area as we once were. So I, I do see why, yeah, you need to pay pay them. And what if you incur injury? And obviously there's insurance and stuff that could be paid. But still, you know, no, if everybody's making millions of dollars, no, no, I should be getting paid too. So I take a, a bit of a different stance. Um, I do agree with you that, hey, uh, compensate me for my services, right? right? It's an honor to play for the I'm national team. I'm not saying team. you got to get rich off of that, but something. So my idea or my proposal, uh, and I've been talks with some of the various FAs, is probably to look at as a strategy where you're looking at the uh, retirement or afterlife of the player. Let's just be honest. In Africa, the huge problem is development and growth of not just soccer, but also other sports. So you need to be able to channel those monies to developing infrastructure, building uh, making sure that you're having a proper sports medicine, proper nutrition team, proper uh, physiotherapy, sports medicine team. All of those things are very, very important. 
And so these players that are already multimillionaires, if you're paying them upwards of 10000 per game, um, some games are as much. If you go to World Cup, they're paying them, in the Ghana's case, they paid $100,000 for uh, bonuses that were supposed to be paid in the qualifiers. 100000 times a team of 18, 23, that's $2.3 million, put it that way. So that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money here. And so the point here is that you can move that money around in other ways. I'm not saying don't pay them. Maybe pay them in, an, uh, in a form of uh, different uh, services, a car, uh, a house, or whatnot. You can do other things. You don't have to give them physical cash um, that uh, the players are now expecting. Well, And we can get into the, the economics of FIFA <laughs> and all that, but, I mean, I don't, I don't really understand it. What do you think is the biggest barrier – that is keeping soccer from being a top three, a top four sport in America? Wow. Lotus question, Devin, but I love it at the same time. I've talked to my kids play soccer and, um, I play soccer. I mean, yeah. but that was just something you did until you could play real sport. <laughs> I'm just saying it's just, it is what it oh, is. Oh, That's a low blow right there. <laughs> it's funny uh, that you asked that because here in the, the United States, the approach has always been for the last 25 to 30 years anyway, has been towards the last, uh, the big three, football, basketball, and baseball. But you're also seeing at the youth level a lot more youth that are playing soccer because of all the injury and the uh, what, things the that concussion have become, the concussions. Thing starting to creep uh, up. And also, the, the, the st- soccer is being targeted towards, quote-unquote, well-to-do or more affluent individuals or families. And so that creates a little bit of a stigma. But it's also a problem because the U.S. has taken this approach that they want to build their brand through the MLS, well, MLS means that uh, brand here in America, you know that the Hispanic and Latino populations are the largest consumers of football. Right. And so they've made it their number one priority to link up the uh, Mexican, um, Guatemalan, Honduras, Central and Latin American populations that are here, El Salvadorian, Colombians, you, you get the point, to build their base. There's nothing wrong with that. But where the talent at, in my opinion, has always been in the urban uh, scenery, and so if you go into the deep cities of uh, a Chicago, of a New York City, or of a Houston, Houston right. um, you will Dallas. certainly find that town, a town that Dallas. I mean, look at all these kids. Uh, we just had the uh, uh, football team. Um, excuse me, uh, Coach Haywood had a uh, camp this past week here at Texas Southern University's campus, which has Arizona, University of Texas, Ohio State. All these big time programs came on campus, and all these uh, student athletes are trying to get these scholarships. Well, what would happen if we took maybe half of those students and introduced them to soccer over a period of time? You would see a lot more better quality players in the leagues of MLS and even in the U.S. men's national team. And so I think that their approach has been towards a a category or a population that is not as athletically gifted as some of the others. But but those are the ones that are paying the bills. There you go. I want to ask you about MLS. Is there a Ghanaian, a a Ghana player of note in the MLS? There's quite a few, in fact. There's, I believe right now on the roster is about 20 or so Ghanaian players. Some of them that you may not know is Ima Boateng, who plays for the, uh, he's number 24 for the LA Galaxy. The um, Columbus crew has four Ghanaians, two of which will be present and playing in the international friendlies in Jonathan Mensah, and also Harrison Afool, and also Muhammad Abu, all play in the MLS 4-1 team. So they're the semi, by default, the Ghanaian team here in the MLS, if you will. Then you also have uh, another uh, player who is um, in Philadelphia Union by the name of Sapong. He's raised here in America, but he is of a Ghanaian background. You have um, other players, um, uh, a guy that used to play here in Houston, but but now plays, I believe, in uh, Salt Lake, Real Salt Lake, by the name of Kofi Sarkodie, or Sarkodie. 
so there's quite a few. Um, so so how players. much how much soccer do you watch? Because you, you you seem to be quite informed about all of these. Leagues. Yeah, I um I've been following them quite some time. Soccer is my what? first love and my first sport that I started playing with. But uh, when I got to a certain age, as you well know, if you want to uh, take it sports seriously, uh, you know you take off with American football, and that's what I received my scholarship in, and and also uh, track and field. So these are things that um uh, helped me to get my education, but I never left my roots, so to speak. So I know you guys are having a couple of big events for the the Black Stars. Tell me a little bit about the the expo that you guys have coming up in the city of Houston, and give me some some background information on that because I know that's important to you. Yes, it is. So the Ghana Football Business Expo is an, an inaugural event that is targeted towards uh, entrepreneurs and businesses that are here in Houston or in Houston, Greater Houston area, that have an interest in doing business in either Ghana or in Africa. And so the hope is to link them, those entrepreneurs together in a form of networking, exchange of ideas and networking uh, so that we can build businesses up. Uh, we believe that the way to uh, developing the continent of Africa is through entrepreneurship or through businesses, through commerce. And so this is one of the primary ways. Now, football is tied in because the Black Stars is a huge brand in African football. And we'll be playing two uh, big national teams here and within three days uh, apart from each other. June 28th, um, we will, we, the Ghana Black Stars will be playing the uh, Mexican national team, El Trio, at the NRG Stadium. Kickoff is at 7.30 p.m. on June 28th. And then three days later, on July the 1st, we'll head to Connecticut, where the Ghana Black Stars will also face their arch rivals or nemesis, if you will, in World Cup anyway, the U.S. men's national team. If uh, for the, your listeners that uh, follow soccer uh, big time, the Ghana national team has played the U.S. three times in three World Cups and knocked them out two times. And the most recent one in 2014, the U.S. finally got its revenge back and was able to knock out the Black Stars uh, by beating them two to one. Who was the round. big star that you guys had? Because, again, I will watch World Cup, and there was a big international star that he played in Europe. Who was it? What's his name? Let me see if that's the guy. So we have a couple. One of them is uh, it Michael, was one guy. Michael Essien. For your listeners, if I throw these names out, they're huge in, in uh, English Premier League uh, folklore. Michael Essien was a huge guy who played with Chelsea, Real Madrid. Who AC was the Milan. guy with the blonde hair? Uh, that was Kevin Prince Boateng, who is now playing in uh, La Liga for La, Las Palmas. He got a little bit of controversy by uh, talking back to the coach, so he's been dismissed for a couple of, or suspended for a couple of uh uh, years now, he's trying to get back with the national team, but there's a little bit of a, uh, you know, you got to show good face, you know, got to right. come out. Now, he's a European kid that is, his father, let's just be honest with you, his father's Ghanaian, his mother's German, and he had never grown up in uh, in Ghana, so he really wasn't accustomed to, I guess, the treatment that he was receiving in terms of he felt like he was being disrespected. The coaches felt that he was not uh, humble enough, and so, and in order to show him some discipline, they you know, they couldn't come to a consensus, and so he was kicked out of camp. He, along with uh, one of the other bigger stars by the name of Sule Muntari, who also plays in Syria. Uh, and Sule Muntari is probably the most uh, talented uh, of our of our gen- of the Guineans in this generation in terms of football. Uh, but he's also faced a lot of issues in terms of uh, racism and has been the global face of eradicating um, racism in football, especially in the European leagues. It's another discussion if we can well, talk yeah, about Well, yeah, I mean, sports. there's layers yeah, to the discussion exactly. that I, I could have. Uh, and, and I know that, yeah, yeah. That, that, it's a lot of things that are very interesting about Absolutely. a lot of it because it's such a, a huge, huge sport intertwined with social and political issues across go. the globe. There so I just know that there are not enough scoring opportunities in the game to keep me interested. And you know what? The red cards, they irritate me. The faking, 
what, what are they doing about faking, man? I so, mean, so it, they are uh, trying to curtail uh, some of that out by carding it a little bit more. So the irony is that for a person that does not like yellow cards and red cards like yourself, well, it, I don't it, mind, but it just seems like. Uh, and again, I'm I'm used to football, yeah, and, and it was brought to my attention. Well, you know, these guys can suffer career-ending knee injuries and blah blah blah. But I mean, some of this stuff, and they just act like they've been shot. Like, yeah. oh, they, oh my lord! And then you get there, up it's two minutes later, and they run in a hundred miles an hour there's down a, the pitch. There's a lot of flopping going on, and a lot of gamesmanship going on, and uh, I don't like that aspect of it either. But if I um, if I can make the analogy of chess, this is probably the biggest chess match in terms of my our listeners will probably say, well, football is probably or basketball, but. I consider soccer to be one of the more. Well, I, 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 I would argue that probably baseball, because every single pitch it, it has a, a strategic aspect to it, and, and so I mean, but that's a different discussion. Yeah. But go ahead and elaborate because we, so we can go with, on with, the field. Eleven versus eleven, twenty-two people that are you know some say chasing one ball, mm-hmm. but you have to understand that in order to get into those scoring positions, that blocks has to that ball has to travel in a very very precise uh, point, either from a passing or even from a shooting. And so one of the reasons why soccer is not such a high-scoring game is because you have people that are obviously on defense that are putting, positioning themselves to stop the other, other team. In order to get a, into a creating a scoring chance, you have to be very creative. So the creativity and the athleticism and the IQ of the people that are playing has to, take, uh, has to be taken into consideration. Now, uh, something that they could do in terms of FIFA is to award every goal maybe ten points, and that would make you know make the scores outrageous. But what would be the point of that? No, right? no, I have a, a couple of proposals to make soccer a more popular sport in the United States. One, make the goals larger. Okay, <laughs> that's a, so that's so funny, that'll certainly increase. That's scoring. a funny proposition in my right. view. <laughs> yeah, so so make the, you need to have cheerleaders. That's number two. Okay. Cheerleaders, I'm down with. Uh, the goal enlargement, I know. <laughs> and then you have to have dollar beer night. <laughs> <laughs> now, those three things will get America more involved. But, you know, you know, like I said, it is a nuanced game, and I think that, that I don't have an appreciation for it. But, you know, my, a few years ago, my brother got into it, and he was coaching his son's mm-hmm. team. But now his son is no longer interested in soccer. He's more he's back in the, to to basketball, which is a, uh, something I'm sure that happens quite a bit in America with your your top athletes. But I, I would say if you can get the guys five ten and under to start playing, because you have some athletes that are not tall enough for the NBA, and, and you know for the most part maybe too small for the NFL. This will be a, the perfect sport for them, you know. So I think that. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how it'll happen. Yeah. I think when you talk about baseball, you see the popularity wane in urban areas because they, they say the game is not exciting enough in comparison to the NFL and, and football. But it's so ingrained in the American culture that it's going to be a dominant sport for a little bit longer, you know, for, for decades to yeah. come still. It, it is a mindset, certainly a mindset that Americans um, have taken. Um, it's going to take some time to grow. And I think the having the international games here, you're seeing a lot more international games ever uh, than you've ever seen in the United States. So I think that's also helping. I also like the fact that the MLS has introduced a lot of international players, not just from the uh, Hispanic and Latino-based uh, countries, uh, but all over the continent. You're seeing a lot of people that are now gravitating towards soccer. So it's it's been a good growth. It'll take some time. And unless the U.S. changes its policy in terms of how to re- uh, grow the game grassroots, which I believe is in the inner city, I think you'd have some challenges. Let me make this uh, analogy. You had guys like uh, um, Hakeem Olajuwon, um, Dikembe Mutombo, all of these guys that 
they started off with soccer. This is that was their their sport. Now, when you talk about these guys are almost seven foot, some of them, you know, a little shorter than that. But the point here is that soccer has no limitations in terms of size. You can be. But he mean, he was he was a goalie. Yeah, he was a, he was a goalie. But the others uh, were striker. Clint, Clint Capella of the Houston Rockets is also another one that played soccer. Also, uh, Switzerland. Um, right? yeah. <laughs> uh, you also had the the guy that um uh, from Cameroon, um Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. I played striker. He's from Cameroon. So the point that here I'm making is that you've got a lot of uh, kids that started off with soccer, ended up in basketball. But I see that as sometimes as a uh, uh, as the wrong approach. A lot of these kids to go continue to play soccer, and I think you will see some of the star power there. That's my opinion. Um, but the U.S. has some ways to go with the big three dominating. I'm talking with Nana Asari of the what is the organization you represent? The the Ghanaian Chamber of Commerce here. Yes. Yeah, so I actually I I represent myself through my uh, own sports marketing company, which is Nasari Athletics. But I'm also a member of the Houston Chamber, uh, Ghana Houston Chamber of uh, Commerce. And through that, we've been able to partner and making sure that the Ghana Football Association, when they bring the Black Stars, are well accommodated, they're well adjusted, and uh, we can do business uh, with the community. So you'll get a chance to really be, meet the players. and Oh, and, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, that has to be a big deal for you. Yes, I've been involved with the uh, uh, Ghana Football Association for, uh, close to over 10 years now. I've worked with them on other uh, sponsorship and promotion um, aspects. So, yes. We have to get, them, uh, get a play on the air over Yes, here. I'd love to. In fact, that's something that we uh, we can discuss um, uh, offline. But um, yeah. there will be a couple of them that are, are interested. And the ESPN is already, uh, I'm sorry to put that out there, but some of the other local radio stations have already expressed interest. But, Pierre, I want to ask you about how far off is our national team? I know that we had a big coaching change. Yes. And and Klinsman was let go. Arena's brought back. Yep. I'm a huge fan of that. I was a huge fan of that move. A couple of reasons. Klinsman sort of rubbed everybody the wrong way, including me, when, you, you know, you – you dissing America. Look, man, look. I mean, I know he's a U.S. citizen, and I know he loves the country or whatever. You, no, you don't talk No, you don't talk <laughs> about the team a certain way, even if that's how you feel. You don't come out and, and say some of the things that he said about. So his choice of words I, I wouldn't agree with, but I do understand it from a philosophical standpoint where he's coming from. I, I By the way, I was born in Germany. I played soccer in Germany. Mm-hmm. I played for some of the uh, youth teams there. So he's and, a god in Germany, Absolutely. Right? In fact, when I was growing up, he was the man, one of the main two characters for the German national team for years and years and years. So he's a household name in Germany, even in European football. But the one central difference is here, here is that his philosophy, I think this is what kind of backfired. If you look at his roster, he went back and got a lot of athletes that, um, that were either born and bred through their American system. So they had some sort of a linkage with the American system. So your father or your mother was a European that, uh, excuse me, was an American that, you know, happened to be in a U.S. base, and then you, you get the story. So the point here is that he wanted all those German-based players to come back. Well, that kind of hurt because his his uh, talent pool was very narrow. He understood that those guys would understand in terms of language. He spoke German with them oftentimes in camp. Um, he also uh, prophesied to them in terms of the the philosophical approach in German. So I think that the whole philosophy was one of trying to copy what Germans were doing. Right. And you know Americans, they don't like to copy anybody. They don't mm-hmm. like to do things their way. Bruce Arenas is a better fit, number one, because he is one of the original, uh, how should I say, uh, paved way makers for the U.S. soccer in terms of international play. He's got a lot of international experience, and he also understands how the game has evolved. So he's a better fit uh, for the U.S. men's national team not only philosophical-wise, but also in terms of structure and strategy. He also has a lot of uh, knowledge in terms of having coached in MLS, so he can do a lot of more things. He can be a lot more flexible than, let's say, a uh, 
Klinsman, who although had a lot more European experience, that always doesn't translate in terms of a national team, which is a totally different atmosphere because you're talking about national pride here. You're talking about having to know the lay of the land. You're talking about having to understand that there's an FA that I need to back. And Klinsman was giving a lot of leverage for about four or five years, period. But unfortunately, uh, some of the things he did well, uh, I will say that he what he did do well is he progressed uh, further than some of the other previous teams in terms of the uh, World Cup. But how much of that was him on some, and how much was the natural progression of America just sort of growing into a, a soccer power? Yeah, so some of it could have been uh, by luck or sheer timing. But again, I... I, I you give him a lot of credit. I, I give him a lot of credit, but I also know where he faltered at. I think his long-term approach would have worked. I really do believe that. But I think that the immediate rush, rush of getting the German-based players was not was not it, it wasn't enticing to the American crowd or the understanding. Uh, Germans, if you watch their their from their the way they make their cars to their economy to everything, they're very precise and very calculated uh, individuals when they're doing business. And so, uh, as it comes to soccer, that was the same type of approach. Uh, Bruce Arenas is a little bit different. He's bringing that cultural flair, their American attitude. Um, yes, and and I think that's what you're going to see this time around. So right now, the U.S. is sitting in third pl- uh, place right now in terms of World Cup qual- qualifying. They've got a huge match on Sunday with the against the Mexican national team, and that's be, a qualifier. That's, that's not a, qualifier. a friendly. That's not a friendly. That's going to be based, I believe, in that's a, that's a uh, must win. Right? That's a must win because Mexico uh, Mexico is the leading uh, qualifier right now. But the top two, three teams make it to World Cup automatically. And right now, U.S. is sitting third. Mexico number one. Uh, Costa Rica being number two, and then U.S. sitting three. But because of the, the rivalry between Mexico and U.S., it would make a lot more sense if uh, U.S. won this match to solidify that hey, it's got a uh, it's well prepared. Right. Um, and another point and about when the, is the World Cup is when the World Cup is next June. And again, before we let you get out of here, tell us about the event in Houston and the, and the, remind us of the dates of those national sure. games. Sure. So the uh, business expo, the Ghana Football Business Expo, kicks off at the Western Galleria on June twenty seventh. It uh, starts, uh, it goes from ten to seven p.m. And then on the twenty eighth, there's also a part two of the uh, of the expo. But that day is also uh, one thirty uh, tailgating for the actual game at NRG Stadium. We'd love for folks to come out and experience some different culture, uh, food, family, football, and fun. At Any NRG hooligans going to – I mean, is it, it's not a, something we got to no, worry about here. Huh? I don't think so. Because um, you got, you know, the national pride thing, you know, Mexico and Ghanaian. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it won't be a big brawl out there. No, I, I don't expect to be a big brawl. Um, one, because um, Ghanaians by default are just not a very violent uh, people. Um, number two is that this is a international football match that uh, it's one of the few – it doesn't come – very often, so we think that this is a great community-building event. Uh, the game kicks off at 7.30, June 28th uh, at NRG Stadium. We've got tickets available for those that are interested. Ghana Houston Chamber of Commerce.org. And what's the website that people can go if they just want to, like, adopt the Ghanaian national team for themselves? Yeah, so the Ghana uh, FA.org is the um, national team uh, website, Ghana FA. Are you able on that org. site to, to find out information about just great – Ghanaian players who are playing across the world. Um, they don't have that kind of information there. So but you got to kind of go you and find a little, yeah. And but we are working a little bit on on, on developing. See, I'm archive. giving you a project, yeah. a website, we are working a on fan this. website for Americans Absolutely who want right. to support Ghanaians all over the world. Absolutely right. So we're, yeah, there we're you working go. on that. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, hey, I'm the gift that keeps giving. I'm a fountain of information. And again, people can get in touch with you when and how. How can they reach you? So my uh, myself, uh, Professor Nana Asari, I can be reached at 
402-464-4026 for those that are interested in tickets for the game on the 28th. We've got tickets that range from $30 all the way to $120 from far back all the way is the closest you can be where you can basically see the uh, almost see and touch the players the game it kicks off again 7:30 but we're asking folks to come out to the tailgate at 1:30 which is going to be at um it's like a football Now what field. is the tailgate food situation going to be are we looking at some american food or are we looking at or is there a traditional food that you serve at tailgates for, for Ghanaians? or we eat everything uh when i say everything we're very open minded people so we have a uh, barbecue traditional will be there but if you're talking about the traditional uh, Ghanaian dishes you can expect to see some jollof rice there you can expect to see some probably uh, some wache which is a, which is a brown rice with a stew uh what has All either right. fish or 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 um chicken in it we have so many might, different flavors. So many you. different flavors. You might want to come out that yeah, day. Yeah. I really implore you to come out. Hey, man. Well, thank you so much. And you, uh, by default, and really by qualification to become uh, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade soccer expert. Thank so you. So, you, hey, you are my guy. As we get closer to the World Cup, yeah. you're my guy. I'm I coming back it. to you. I appreciate that opportunity. Hey, man. want to thank you so much. Going to take a time out, come back, and put a great big bow on episode 22 of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast again on iTunes, TuneIn, and SoundCloud. That will do it for episode 22 of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Want to thank former NFL wide receiver, former Houston Oiler Haywood Jeffries for joining us with his insights, although we disagree on just about everything. In addition to that, want to thank Anana Asare for talking international soccer and all sorts of soccer from all over the globe. Fun conversation, and it's fun to leave the uh, the normal path of conversation to talk something uh, a little bit different. So we got that in. And again, want to remind you guys, SoundCloud, TuneIn, and iTunes. Also on Facebook, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group and page. That's D-E-V-A-N-W-A-D-E. And, of course, on Twitter, at Wade's Word, W-A-D-E-S-W-O-R-D. And on Instagram, dwade909. So I'm I'm fully in. I'll, I don't have Snapchat, but that's it. Everything else, I'm in the game. But I want to thank you guys so much. And as always, have a great day. Great day.